0: of the dark side. Today is a very special episode because we have two of our friends joining us for our first ever crossover collaboration episode, which is so fucking sick. In the studio with us is Steven and Leo from the amazing podcast, Spoils of Horror which, like, I've sung your guys' praises endlessly on our show, so listeners are definitely already familiar. But um, why don't you say hi and tell us a little bit about your show in your own words.
1: Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for having us. We are big, big fans of your show, and we are so excited to be here. (laughs) Leo is a medium fan. It's it's just because he's shorter than I am. I'm a large fan, and Leo's a medium fan. (laughs) A medium. -medium. A medium (laughs) fan. (laughs) We're so adorable Uh, uh. over in spoils of horror. Can confirm. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, we are a weekly podcast. We come out on Wednesdays and we are a horror movie hangout show. So we don't do reviews. We just pick a usually a pretty fucking weird and obscure horror movie. And we just are fancy yeah Mm -hmm. exactly we just have fun with it we just kind of relax in it hang out with it tell some jokes kind of make your way through the movie
2: we try to make it as close to uh you going to see a movie with your friends and just bullshitting after the fact as we can
1: I describe it sometimes like this. It's like you're taking a bath with your favorite movie, and two ugly (laughs) nerds climb in the tub with you.
0: I have definitely heard you describe it that way. It's beautiful. (laughs) Need a huge tub.
1: Yes, but I'm also here for another reason. I have a little bit of a beef with your show that we need to discuss.
0: (laughs) I'm so scared. I'm sweating. (laughs)
1: <laughs> All right. So I know your listeners are familiar with Leo and I because mm-hmm. on one of your episodes, so just in case your listeners don't know who I am, I am the person that you spent 15 minutes talking about on your show about whether or not I ate out assholes. What? Yes. That was yes. Yes. I remember this. You brought this. Up
3: <laughs> <laughs> what? Yes, i need receipts because,
1: because i sent leo the clip i don't remember what episode it was but uh-huh. i sent leo the clip and i said well i wasn't expecting that to come up
3: <laughs> oh my god i'm dying i'm so sweaty <laughs>
2: you will be by the end of this anyway yes that, that was a hell of a moment on the show
1: so <laughs> so just so your listeners don't get confused I don't think it's an episode title like I don't think it was a mystery anyone was trying to solve
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: so Steven episode... is the one that eats assholes I am the one that
4: doesn't that's how it that works episode 55 has <laughs> Steven gone too far
3: <laughs>
0: oh my god Do do you realize that I will not be able to sleep I'm going to have to go listen to every single episode and be like when the fuck
3: did <laughs> I, I talk was, about this that like is your punishment recent, right <laughs> like it, it must back. have been
1: your smutty nose murders one like I'm going <laughs> to guess it was that one uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to guess because I don't think your listeners know that I'm also your dealer on the side like I, yeah. I deal uh, you some some stories every now and then
0: yeah, you are. You're our side our little side dealer there. You did give us some pretty yeah. good recommendations, but I, I I don't even remember talking about this, but it must have been like a in an, in an endearing way. Like,
2: <laughs> I'm sure it would have been. How, yeah. how endearing can one talk about asshole eating? Explain that to me. <laughs> I don't know, because I don't remember. <laughs> there,
1: there, there was violin on music underneath, and <laughs> it was very nice.
2: <laughs> or oh trombone music. Dana.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh,
0: or maybe saxophone music. We'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that
2: would be more realistic. Anyway.
0: Okay, I need to know how this was brought up, though. Like, I'm actually not going to be able to get it out of my head. Is it because, like, I, I was saying, like, we're both bisexual or something, so that I just yes. went on a tangent?
1: Yes, and then you, you made a joke about asshole eating. You were like, well, Steven eats assholes, and then, like, went, <laughs> and then, like, went on and on and on and on and on about it. Like,
2: <laughs> I love how exactly casual it like, was. She's like, well, that's just a thing that happens. That's not his Right.
1: Right. He does that right before his morning run. Oh my god. Get
2: up, eat some asshole, run, coffee. It's all a thing. It's a whole routine.
0: (laughs) Coffee, wash away the taste of the asshole.
4: It's part of my part of my morning routine. Self-care's in, so we're good. (laughs) His breakfast is cottage cheese,
2: which is, you know, related. So
4: Good Good
3: Lord. Good Lord.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We're bringing the gross to dark adaptation, which they already have the gross. So we're bringing we're bringing it.
3: We are know what show we're on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Holy fuck, that is so funny. No, seriously, we'll not be able to get this out of my head. i going to have to go and figure out when. You, you've
4: just caused so much fucking work for us now. We're going to have to go through every episode. <laughs> we're going to put a clip in I just in there. created
1: a great opportunity for your listeners, though. What an uh, Easter egg hunt that will be. So true. They'll be like, I need context.
2: <laughs> the first one to find it gets a prize. Yep.
0: <laughs> hey, join us next week when I talk about how Leo eats. Cottage
2: uh, oh,
3: cheese. Ew! Cottage <laughs> <God laughs> <is, geez>. cheese. <laughs> Never touch this stuff.
2: Bad for the digestion.
0: Uh, no! Yeah, no, thank you. Oh my God, Steven. <laughs> I'm so sweaty. Jesus Christ. I was like, what the hell is he going to say? I'm so scared.
1: That I've was... been waiting for this opportunity.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Thank you Uh,
0: so much. (laughs) So now that we've gotten past those assholes,
2: what other assholes are we talking about tonight?
0: Oh, uh, you two.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Yep, perfect.
0: (laughs) So uh, I was just gonna say that, um, as you can clearly tell by our conversation, we've been podcast friends. It's like day one. Um, You guys started Spoils of Horror a couple months before we started Dark Adaptation, Mm. and we've wanted to collaborate for a while, but Mm. it's been hard because uh, I think it was in your episode, the July Mayhem and August Picks episode, and you're talking Mm. about how it's hard because we're two totally different shows, but we have figured it out. What we're doing here is I'm going to tell you guys a true crime case. And then on Wednesday, you guys will cover the movie that's based on the event of said case. And voila, here we are, putting it into action.
2: What a wonderful little show it'll be. I'm
3: excited!
0: (laughs) Okay, so what I'm going to tell you about today is the Texarkana Moonlight Murders, where a masked man dubbed the Phantom Killer attacked couples at Lover's Lanes and isolated areas over a span of 10 weeks in 1946 in the Texarkana region, which is a blended region consisting of Twin Cities, Texarkana, Texas, and Texarkana, Arkansas, which are in Bowie County and Miller County, respectively. So the majority of our story takes place on the Texas side. And I'm going to focus on the crimes that occurred with like a more briefer discussion about the investigation and the suspects and stuff because if i went into literally everything about this then we'd be here for like 3 hours so
2: short version <laughs> focus they talked about the, the investigation a lot
0: well yeah yeah <laughs> too many uh, cooks in the kitchen i would say so as i tell the story feel free to jump in with any questions or comments if you have like comparisons to the movie whatever we're like pretty Relax on this side, no like major structure, so we're just here to have a good time.
2: Are you the Texas side or the Arkansas side? Te-
0: Texas. Good. All Texas.
1: Right. <laughs> right on. All right, we're ready.
2: We're excited.
0: <laughs> All right, let's go. We're going to get into it. So our story begins on Friday, February 22nd, 1946, around 11.45 p.m., When 25-year-old Jimmy Hollis and his girlfriend, 19-year-old Mary Jean Larry, parked off the then isolated stretch of Richmond Road in Texarkana, Texas. And I'm just going to throw this in now for our listeners. I have made really detailed maps of all of the locations that we're talking about. Ah. So you can go on our Instagram and uh, follow along. Stephen and Leo, you just have to use your imaginations. (laughs)
3: <laughs> oh, I, I know this case very well. I'm picturing well. stick it. figures. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Jimmy and Mary had just left a double date at the Strand Theater where they watched a horror movie. Now, it is 1946. Do you guys want to take a stab at what movie you think that they
2: saw? I know which one it is. Ooh. Do you? Oh, uh Ah, uh.
1: ah. I don't know. Uh, it would be Hammer films were made in the 50s. So it wouldn't have been one of those. Um, I want to say it was some kind of like monster
3: movie.
0: It was a monster movie. It was. It was House of Dracula. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Classic. And uh, yeah, and that one's from 1945. But, you know, we're in February. It's still the beginning of the year. They're just late on seeing that. So the the, this couple, back this young too, couple, so. Yeah, for sure. So this young couple was desperate for some alone time. What better place to spend some time together than the local lover's lane? They had been making out in their Plymouth for 10 minutes when they were rudely interrupted by a figure stooped beside Jimmy's driver's side door. It was a man wearing a white cloth mask, which resembled a pillowcase with eye holes cut out. With one hand, he aimed a flashlight into Jimmy's eyes. And with the other hand, he aimed a pistol at the couple. And in a gruff voice, this mystery man said, I don't want to kill you, fella, so
1: do what I say.
2: Perfect impersonation.
3: That was
1: an actual that yeah, that was an actual recording. That was an actual audio. It's my favorite thing to day. like do
0: voices. If there's a quote, I'm always like, I'm gonna do a voice for it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so one thing getting familiar with this case did for me is it really made me understand, like, lover's lanes and parking. And I, I have some questions here. Like, you know, like, do people have to just go to the same lover's lane? Like, are there other cars there? Like, do you have to, like, do you have Typically. to, like, work? Yeah, so do you have to work your way around five or six other cars oh when you're God. going to lover's lane?
2: <laughs> you're, like, do you trying remember, to? Um, do you remember was... killer clowns from outer space? Of course. There's all the kids <laughs> parked up there. That's what it was, typically. It's like fifty of them Good all trying to get something going without anyone else looking in.
0: Honestly. And you're like it's... trying to like bring your girl up there, your guy, whatever, and you're like all stressed because you're like, I have to parallel park and you're like sweating.
3: <laughs> you gotta you gotta imagine, like, urinal
4: rules are in effect at this point. So uh, park <laughs> far left, you gotta park far right. <laughs> no <laughs> eye contact. You can't just basic.
3: Maybe they, have all those,
1: um, maybe they have those blinders that you put on your, like, on your windshield. Oh, yeah. You know, the
2: ones. Uh, the sun guards or
0: whatever.
1: Yes, the ones that look like a beach. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. That's <laughs> they, beautiful. they got the cockpit from Star oh, Wars going so on great. so nobody can see what's going on in the cockpit.
0: <laughs> beautiful. Get but better, there's always I that promise. one person when you're in the bathroom and there's like a million empty stalls or urinals in your case. And someone always picks the one right next to you. And you're like, what the fuck, you freak?
1: Hey, I'm parking here.
0: <laughs> Are you from Boston or New York? Pick a place.
2: Yes. <laughs> Texas, we already that, said. That's the be- that I
1: was going to say that's the bex, best Texarkana Arcana Arcana, whatever Arcana. voice you're going to get.
0: Yes. Arcana. You said it right the first time. Don't overthink uh. it.
2: <laughs> I like that you doubled down and then got it wrong.
1: Yeah. Arcana. By the way, to your listeners, if we're on the show, this episode's never going to finish. This going to be an eight-parter. <laughs> yes! Uh,
0: well, I did a seven-parter. Let's do an eight-parter now. Oh. Make people really yeah. upset. <laughs> okay, so they're at this Love is Lane. I can't tell you if it's crowded or not. I wasn't there. But both Jimmy and Mary were ordered out of the driver's side door by this hooded man's creepy dude and this man ordered Jimmy to quote take off your goddamn britches unquote after Jimmy complied the man pistol whipped Jimmy twice and Mary later told a reporter with the Texarkana Gazette that the noise was so loud that she had initially thought Jimmy had been shot but it was actually his skull fracturing
2: so imagine you get hit so hard your skull fractures enough that the person in the car heard it as if it was a gunshot. Oh,
4: that was incredible. Be... Yeah. yeah.
0: Messed
2: up.
4: That's got to be like, you know, in baseball when, like, you can tell when someone hit a home run based on the sound? <laughs> that one crack of the bat? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I can, <laughs> that I can hear like... that noise as you say that.
4: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, now I'm just picturing a baseball and a... Probably... And a skull. Ugh, probably, like,
4: bat. minus the whole Moneyball scene setting music that you get... You know, there's no dun, field of dream soundtrack dun, to that. There's probably just dun, screaming.
0: <laughs> <coughs> or you're knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> so, thinking that the man wanted to rob them, Mary showed him Jimmy's wallet to prove that he had no money. Thinking she was lying, this man demanded her purse, but she didn't have one. So, enraged, the man struck her in the head with a blunt object. Uh, it could have been the flashlight could have been the gun. Mary didn't know because she was struck in the head. She just knew that it, it fucking hurt. So this man ordered her to stand. And when she did, he told her to run. So she started to run and she was running towards a ditch. But then the man was like, no, don't go that way. Run up the road. So she started to run up the road. And as she was running away, she could hear this man kicking Jimmy. So not only has he had his skull smashed in, now he's getting kicked when he's down. Mm-hmm.
3: Literally. So yeah. as
0: Mary was running, yeah, literally. So as Mary's running up the road, she spotted a car parked off to the side. So she ran toward it, hoping that there's people in there that could help her. But it was empty. And as she's at this car looking in, she sees that the man has caught up to her. And he like grabs her and asks her, why are you running? And when she said that, like, I'm running because you told me to run, he called her a liar and then he knocked her down and he sexually assaulted her with the barrel of his gun. This is one of the things that this
2: is fascinating about this killer for me is the way he's fucking with her head. Like, I'm deliberately telling you this, that, this, these are the directions. And then as soon as you do them, I'm going to say, no, I never said that just to get that fear in her.
0: Yeah, exactly. Just trying any way he can to scare her.
1: In your research, did you get the sense that he knew from point to point what he was trying to do? Or did you get the sense? I got the sense sometimes that it feels like he's changing tactics.
0: I think that he was... Very meticulous. I think that before he went out, he was very much, I'm going out. I'm a man with a plan. This is what I plan to accomplish. But then obviously you can't account for how people will react to you or if they'll get away or whatever. So I think that he does have a plan or a way that he wants to operate, but um, does have to change things up based on how it plays out. But I think he's very meticulous. So after the assault, The man went back toward the Plymouth where Jimmy was and Mary fled on foot running half a mile to a nearby house where she woke the residents of the house up and they phoned the county sheriff's office. So meanwhile, Jimmy, who's, you know, been beaten over the head and kicked while he's down, he had regained consciousness and had flagged down a passing motorist. So this driver obviously sees Jimmy covered in blood and he's like, um... I'll go get you help because I don't really want you in my car. I don't know what's going on. You're covered in blood. So this driver goes into town and he calls the Texarkana funeral home. And I was just saying how I was looking into it. Like, why would he call the funeral home? Like, did he think that Jimmy was just going to die on the side of the road?
1: Right.
2: But I found some roadkill come on out
1: yeah for real It's going just put out fresh. the man.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're just going to go
1: right to the right where this is going to go
3: <laughs> this looks bad
0: I'm just going to literally call the funeral home but no it was because the funeral home apparently that's where they ha- housed the ambulance and this funeral home I had connection to the local hospital so that is why this guy called them not because he just assumed he was going to die any second So within 15 minutes, (laughs) the ambulance was en route and within 30 minutes, Bowie County Sheriff Bill Presley and three other officers arrived at the scene of the attack. But obviously the assailant was long gone. It would be very weird if you just hung around.
1: <laughs> hey guys,
4: he just sat down. It was
1: so weird. He was
4: tired. <laughs> 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 He's just gonna be gaslighting everyone involved. They're like, did you do this? He's like, no I didn't.
0: What? Why are no. you running? What's going on? <laughs> I'm the man
4: the phone did in. you,
1: uh, you know. <laughs> you can tell um, this is a small town too, by those like emergency line response times. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I know that from Maine. All right, we'll be right there. 45 minutes from
4: now. So, uh-huh. just fight for your life. Brew yourself a coffee. Get comfortable. <laughs> we'll save you soon. Love you. Bye-bye. Bu- Love. Love you. Hope you know how to
2: tie a tourniquet. Yeah.
4: Yep. <laughs> just don't sit up too quickly.
3: For real.
0: That's actually how it is here where we live. Yeah. It's like, well, is anyone like really hurt? Okay, cool. We'll be there when we're there. And it could be like two hours or three hours. Tragic fun so mary was hospitalized overnight she had a minor head wound and then jimmy was hospitalized for several days with multiple skull fractures and he needed treatment for three months because of his head injuries but he eventually did make a full recovery so that's good the police repeatedly interviewed jimmy and mary who repeatedly gave them the same story they verbatim Here's what happened. Their, their version of events never changed. They were very similar. And the only thing that they gave conflicting reports about was their attacker. So Mary claimed that she could see under the mask and that he was a light-skinned black man, but Jimmy claimed it was a tanned white man. And in this man was in his mid to late 20s, but he had been blinded by a flashlight and said that it was really hard to distinguish any features. The one thing that they did agree on, however, was that the attacker was around six feet tall. But that is a major discrepancy. Is it a black man or a white man? So the police were repeatedly challenging Mary's account.
2: It's also hard to distinguish features when you've got a pillowcase over your head.
0: Exactly. If a pillowcase over your head, a flashlight in your eyes, it's the middle of the night. It's like midnight. And you're scared on top of it. And traumatic experiences, head injury and an assault. So, like, right. I don't really think you can put too much into either one of their descriptions.
1: Yeah, there's not a lot of information you can get out of this.
0: mm So the police were repeatedly challenging Mary's account. They were um, believing that she and Jimmy knew the identity of their attacker and that for whatever reason they were covering for him, which I think is really sort of a stupid take because he assaulted her in multiple ways what is there to protect right and why would you protect it's just so stupid like they just don't know what to do and where to go from like, it so if only just
2: she got attacked i could understand them coming to that conclusion but it was both of them mercilessly like what is he gonna do beat himself with the fucking mm-hmm. gun and then say it was some guy in a mask you know
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah no kidding yeah and what could possibly have happened there that would have this killer attack both of them, and then they would hide that person's identity. I mean, that person yeah. would have had to be able to blackmail them or something. Mm-hmm. I, I find that in a lot of these cases that are covered on these kinds of shows, when the police royally screw up the the investigation, it's because they're deeply concentrated on the wrong things. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely.
0: For sure. They to have their mind made up about certain things, and they it, instead would rather disprove what their mind is made up about instead of just going where the evidence and stuff takes them. So the police had little to go on, obviously. There wasn't anything telling at the scene of the crime. They didn't even have suspects because they had no idea who they were looking for. And they didn't have a motive because they disregarded robbery um, since there wasn't anything to steal from the scene. And then even though Mary was sexually assaulted, they... As in the police didn't share these details with the public, and they didn't believe it was a sexually motivated crime. So mm. they were, and just because there was no money to steal, they were like, "Well, it can't be robbery." It's like, "Well, both of those things could be a motive," right? But right. you're just deciding that's not the motive. So again, it's the '40s; they probably just don't really care about what Mary has to say. say. They're calling her a liar. This is back
2: in a time where, if you found somebody dead in the river, they died by drowning. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't really do a lot (laughs) of investigation here.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So they um, were just coming up with dead ends. And at this point, Mary and Jimmy had both moved out of state. So the investigation, more or less, was out of mind to Sheriff Presley for now. after jimmy and mary were attacked another couple was attacked but they sadly didn't survive like mary and jimmy had 29 year old richard griffin and 17 year old his 17 year old girlfriend Ann moore were found dead in richard's car on the morning of sunday march 24th by a passing motorist i stumbled over that for a second because i just realized it's 29 year old and a 17 year old girlfriend
1: Oh yeah. He, yeah, we we talk about that in our episode because it's in the movie. Yeah,
0: that's a that's a big age gap.
4: Yeah, yeah. as you read that out loud, I just went. <laughs>
0: I st- I realized I stumbled because I was like, "How did I write now, this and not even and
4: daughter?" I mean, Ew! <laughs> <laughs> what, what's fascinating
2: <laughs> about it too south. is how normal it seemed. Like even in the movie, when they when they said that out loud, it was like, "Oh yeah, that shit happens all the time." Like it was yeah. it was just so matter of fact back then that people mm-hmm. did that or whatever. I don't know, but it's fucking weird. In yeah, fairness,
1: the narration just makes it sound so, like,
4: wholesome. They're like, oh, these two
1: <laughs> kids here.
0: At least they found
4: love. In <laughs> fairness, if you go to like, Quebec or something, you see it all the time. Guy driving an Audi looks like her father. <laughs> well, she's going to be it's a always spinster a convertible soon, anyway, so.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, 18, you're done. Spinster. Spinster alert.
2: Damn.
0: And I think this girl was already like divorced once. Or wait, no, she wasn't divorced. Um, her boyfriend had died in the war, because this is nineteen forty six. So like yeah, World War II had just ended.
1: And in the movie they um they said that she had dropped out of school to like take care of this twenty-nine year old. <laughs> So apparently Which he's like twenty nine year olds today. He he can't he can't take care of himself.
0: Well, I mean, if she's gonna be a spinster before we know it, he's probably already planning his funeral at twenty nine.
1: Right, right. <laughs> that so that's the way times have changed. Back in the forties, if you were twenty nine year old, couldn't take care of yourself, you got a seventeen year old girlfriend. <laughs> now you just live with your mom forever.
4: <laughs> yeah, <Right>. exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm twenty nine, but at least I don't live with my mom. Love you, mom. definitely You're doing, definitely yeah, you're doing great.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Love you, mom. But, you know, don't want to live there. So, um, yes. Sunday, March 24th, the passing motorist finds Richard Paulie dead in their car. The motorist saw the 1941 Oldsmobile parked on the side of South Robinson Road, 100 yards south of Highway 67 West in Texarkana, Texas. It was raining like crazy, and thinking that the car was stuck in the mud, the motorist approached to see if he could help. So he peers inside the car, and he sees two people and a fuck ton of blood, and he pieced the fuck out. He got back in his car, and he drove into the city to alert the police, because he was like, I don't know what the hell's going on here, but I'm scared.
2: (laughs) There are very few moments in the movie especially, but I'm sure in the real case as well, where people... Uh, did not do stupid movie cliché shit and actually did something intelligent. And that was Mm -hmm. one of them. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm gone. Bye. Exactly. I'm
0: not going to hang out here (laughs) at the site of an obvious massacre.
1: Now, I don't want to take too much of everybody's time comparing the movie to the real events. But this is one of the things that we just could not get over because you mentioned the fact that there is a ton of rain happening during Mm -hmm. all of this. And if you want to get like... Some real insight into some like low budget <laughs> filmmaking bullshit. The this movie, when so you know, in the town that dreaded sundown, has some of the worst rain you'll ever see in a movie because it is a long sequence where this rain is happening and it'll cut from shot to shot to shot of like torrential downpour, morning dew. in the air, like (laughs) (laughs) you know, light drizzle, like Armageddon, Noah's Ark is out, like it'll it'll go back and forth. It is so crazy.
0: It's a morning day, and then all of a sudden, there's a biblical storm. Right. I I guess that I don't know why they would do that. Just the low budget. The
3: director was an idiot.
2: That's why.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
1: Don't he put was... rain in the movie. Just don't put rain in the movie. <laughs> I know. Just
0: because it was raining in real life doesn't mean you have to do that. And was the director in the movie? Wasn't he like the guy answering the phone? Yes. The
2: oh, spark plug. He, yeah, or it was the idiot comic relief, which was says not funny a lot. at
1: all. It was really cringe yeah, so, actually. So, in the town that dreaded sundown, for some reason, they decide to like layer in all this comic relief. Again, for your listeners who haven't seen this classic gem of a movie. Um, <laughs> But there's all this comic relief that is like deeply unfunny.
0: Yes. Yeah. And it goes on for a long time, too. You're like, OK, all okay, right, let's go. We get it. Ha ha. And it's
1: still all different. of our stuff about ass eating was 10 times
2: funnier than <laughs> <laughs> than anything
1: in the town that dreaded sundown.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm sweating
2: again. And that movie ate ass too, so. (laughs) But not in the fun way. I
0: was going to say, but it wasn't wasn't fun at all. So, um, yes, like you said, this guy was actually smart. He saw there was a lot of blood and two dead people, and he got out of there, and he went and he drove into the city and alerted the police. Sheriff Presley and Chief of Police Jackson Runnels made their way to the scene. Richard was found kneeling between the front and back seats with his head resting on his crossed hands and his pockets were turned inside out. And then Polly was found sprawled face down in the back seat with her purse open next to her and both had been shot in the back of the head. There was a blood-soaked patch of sandy earth about 20 feet away from the car. And this suggested to the police that they had been killed outside of the car and then placed back inside and posed. So inside the car, there was congealed blood all over the floorboards and it was like spilling out of the doors. And then they found a 32 cartridge casing. And the police knew that it was from a handgun, but they heavily debated what type. They couldn't definitively say if it was a revolver or a pistol. And whatever handgun had been used wasn't at the scene, so they had ruled out a murder-suicide.
2: I'm fascinated about your opinion on this, in that the killer deliberately repositioning the bodies... Was it because he wanted to throw the cops off from the previous crime or because he was getting into that zone of getting better at what he did, as killers tend to do?
0: I think that it was to throw off from the first crime, because as we'll find out, the police, they say they didn't publicly identify that the first attack was related to the murders, but I think that they just didn't have any idea until mary had come forward later when she was interviewed by a newspaper and said like i was attacked it was basically verbatim what these other murders have like sound like this has to be connected so i think the killer did it so that it would throw the police off and it clearly worked because they did not connect the attack at all until later
2: i believe that as well especially his sadism in the first attack Mm -hmm. and how he was fucking with her head and all that I think he's exactly. calculated enough to realize that this is something, if I keep doing it this way, I'm going to get caught. So I'm going to switch it up a bit just to mess with him.
0: For sure. And like you said, the sadism in it, in that first attack, you can see how much he likes to scare, especially Mary, and have control over both of them. So in the way that you can see and this. gaslight
2: people and get in their head. Yeah. Oh,
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the way you can yeah. see how this second murder has played out and how he's posed the bodies and kind of, done whatever he's done he was in total control of it
1: yeah there's a sense and this is actually one thing the movie does really well that i did enjoy which is that there is a sense of this character learning Mm -hmm. you're you're you know you're seeing now again remember i'm talking about the movie you know not of course the real events i'm certainly not being complimentary to those but like you do get a sense like in both of these stories like of how this guy is learning
0: yeah and that also goes into because like spoiler alert i guess that these are unsolved they're still Mm have they have no idea who the phantom killer is and um one of the many suspects was always said to have been a local who was close with the police kind of hung around maybe the police station or had connections the way that like an ed kemper did how he would hang Same out
2: comparison is going to be yep. yeah <laughs> yeah
0: how he would kind of hang out maybe new friends at the police station in law enforcement and could kind of pick their brain about what they were thinking leaning on what they were picking up from and he could make his next um move basically based on what police yeah. knew and how to change it
2: i was gonna maybe bring this up later but it, it occurs to me that it was just a lot easier back then to get away with this shit Because now we have all the DNA technology and the forensics being as advanced as it is. Mm -hmm. Back then it was like, I'm just going to hang out where the cops hang out. I'm going to learn everything they know. Then I'm going to go do the opposite thing and they'll never ever catch me. And it usually worked.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Especially when there isn't, like you're saying, forensic evidence and stuff. Like at this point in 1946, the only thing you could test um, in like any sort of forensic way was blood type. And I mean, blood type, there's only so many blood types so you could share that with so many
2: people exactly
0: so um back to the scene here with the car and what they're finding um no one really knows exactly what was found at the scene other than the bullet casing because and even how many because The investigators themselves contradict that in various reports and paperwork so it could have been you know one 32 cartridge casing or two or several and they were found outside the car or inside the car maybe there was fingerprints found maybe there was none actually there's unidentified latent fingerprints like it's all over the place and then in classic 1940s fashion Valuable evidence like footprints and tire impressions were lost thanks to all of the looky-loos that trampled the crime scene.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) impressive use
2: of the word (laughs) looky-loos.
0: Looky-loos coming up and creeping. It's also a disadvantage
2: (laughs) they had with the split of the sister cities like that, because there were two police departments working on this, depending on who was called. Mm -hmm. so some of the investigation would happen on the arkansas side some would happen on the texas side if if they didn't gel together if they didn't communicate properly then half of that shit was lost
0: exactly and i it's in my like next paragraph here that's what i say that they had collaborated with so many people there's the miller county sheriff davis and then there's um the Bowie County Sheriff Presley. And then they eventually work with the city, the county, the state, the FBI. Like there's so many cooks in the kitchen. Like I had said earlier, there's way too much. So that's why there's so many discrepancies in all of the reports and the investigation is because maybe the Texas Rangers think this, but then the FBI thinks that. And so it is just a mess of like, how do you corroborate, corroborate what is true or not? There was other contradictions related to Polly. So some reports say that she was sexually assaulted, just like uh, Mary had been in the first attack. But a pathologist never examined either one of their bodies. They were just taken from the scene and just sent straight to a mortician. So the sheriff's office never publicly commented or reported on a sexual assault. But the Texas Rangers report says that Polly had been brutally raped. So, again, there's just so many discrepancies. Mm -hmm. In response to these murders, Sheriff Presley and Chief of Police Runnels launched a full-scale investigation. So, this is where I had mentioned um, you have the collaboration with the Miller County Sheriff, the Chief of Police over on the Arkansas side, FBI, Texas Rangers, all of that. And then for this murder investigation, over 50 people were questioned about this murder of Richard and Polly, and there was endless tips being followed up on, but all of them were dead ends.
2: And that's the other hurdle they had is all the nut jobs coming out going, I'm the guy or my brother's Mm -hmm. the guy or I know Mm -hmm. the guy. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, that is a that is an aspect of these stories that fascinates me, which is something that I don't know enough about. Why do people get involved with false tips and false confessions for a crime that they're essentially you know, going to go to jail for and just tie up people's time? I understand the fear. I understand that you know, when people hear rattling in their trash cans, they go, oh, my God, that's the killer, and they call the police. Mm-hmm. I get that part. But I am fascinated with these stories of people calling in these false tips. And the movie explores that, too. I just don't understand why
2: people do it. A lot of it's psychological. Mm. Uh, some Sometimes I, it's, a, it, I, I know this, I'm fascinated by this too. I've, I've studied this, is uh, a need for attention. Mm. It could be that they, they're homeless and they're looking for a place to stay. So if I get thrown in jail, uh, mm-hmm. some people, they want to be somebody because they feel like nobody. So now I could get to, I, get, I could be this killer and then everybody will, will know my name. You know what I mean? There's so much uh, brain shit that goes into it.
1: Leo does this. That's why he knows all about it. But he only does it for like petty crimes, like littering, <laughs> <laughs> like and, like jaywalking. He's like, I That's was right. the jaywalker. <laughs> Leo, the loiterer. They, they usually just
2: like get out of here. You're a fucking nut. Oh, like, uh, this I fucking guy trying. again. That's it. <laughs> God damn it. Get off the
0: horn. Stop calling us.
1: Hey 911. I've got the information you were looking for. I stole the Snickers bars from CVS.
2: <laughs> my goal is to be that weird psychic person that keeps showing up and pissing off the cops. Oh so they never God. ever believe me, but I never get arrested for anything because they think I'm just lunatic.
0: Now they're like this guy's a nuisance, we can't really do anything about it, but goddamn. So annoying.
1: <laughs> what if one of his tips is real? He did he did help us solve 25 different minor crime
2: cases. That's right. (laughs) Interestingly,
0: all related to stolen candy bars.
2: (laughs) And jaywalking. And jaywalking.
0: (laughs) So this um, also will maybe give you an answer uh, as to why people call in false tips. By March 30th, six days after the murders, investigators stated that there had been a $500 reward available for any new information on the case, um, as long as it would help them apprehend their killer. So this incentivized people to call in with hundreds of false leads. And that's another reason you get all of these like fake tips and stuff is because people are like, but there could be $500 in it for me. Mm-hmm. And it's 1946. So how much do you think $500 was worth?
2: A lot.
1: Yeah. Was, Leo yeah. and I both uh we both grew up poor, so if we went missing, it would be one dollar.
2: <laughs> That's mostly because my mom didn't give a shit. Like, fine, fucking take them. Yeah. Like, there you go. Oh, it'd be one a dollar to keep us.
1: We'll give That's you right. a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bring them back.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: this explains why you're always stealing candy bars, Leo.
2: I gotta, I gotta keep my girlish figure. So. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, $500 reward in 1946 is almost $8,000. So, Ooh. you have all these people calling in, like, damn, I could use almost $8,000. I could use that now, too. I know, right? <laughs> in this economy, give me the $8,000. At this I point, reporting it, some people. at this point in the investigation, the public wasn't taking the attacks too seriously. They, like I had said, they attacks, um, the first ones on Jimmy and Mary. They were not connected to this second attack, first murder. So the public wasn't really too worried. They were sort of concerned, but law enforcement hadn't connected anything. And so the public was just taking these murders as a tragic, isolated incident. And then law enforcement, well, I guess law enforcement agencies, because you have all of these hands in the same pot at this point. They're spinning their wheels, and the public was doing whatever he did in 1946 when the killer struck again. Around 2 a.m. on Sunday, April 14th, 17-year-old Paul Martin picked up 15-year-old Betty Jo Booker from her musical performance at the VFW VFW Club at West 4th and Oak Street. You know, for all those Texarkana people listening.
1: It's Texarkana. (laughs) Or Texarkane,
0: however you feel. (laughs) What exactly happened in those early morning hours is a mystery, but we do know that five hours after leaving the VFW, around 6.30 a.m., Paul's body was found lying on his left side by the northern edge of North Park Road, again on the Texas side of Texarkana, and he was found by passing motorists. Blood was found on the other side of the road from his body near a fence where he had likely been shot before making his way across the road and eventually succumbing to his injuries and then close by his body there was this small address book that he likely dropped while fleeing or maybe the perpetrator had um taken from his body and tossed whether he was trying to rob him or something so the uh investigators had taken this little address book hoping it would lead to anything maybe anyone he was in contact with but again no clues dead end Betty Jo's body was found by a search party hours later, around noon. She was 1.75 miles away from Paul's body behind a tree on Moore's Lane. And she was lying on her back and fully clothed. Her body was posed with her right hand in the pocket of her buttoned overcoat. And Betty Jo had been shot twice, once through her chest and into her heart, and then once in the face to the left of her nose, and Paul had also been shot in his face to the left of his nose. The weapon used was the same as in the first double murder. They matched the markings on the bullets, but investigators weren't sure who was shot first, and examinations of the bodies indicated that both of them had fought like hell, and sadly, Betty Jo had been sexually assaulted. Paul's car was found one and a half miles away from his body and three miles away from Betty Joe's body. And it was parked near the main entrance into Spring Lake Park with the keys still in it. So the separate location of the bodies and the car was a mystery to investigators. They weren't sure if Paul and Betty Joe had gone to Spring Lake Park as part of their like date and were abducted from there. Or if they were abducted elsewhere and the car was dumped in the park. Police were kind of like playing with the idea as if um, the killer had maybe stalked them from the musical hall and abducted them as they were leaving. Or if he had followed them to the like park and done something from there. They had no idea. And again, we can't really say for sure because there's... Um, conflicting reports so we have evidence that says there is 32 caliber shell casings found around the car actually no they weren't they were found around the bodies or they were found around both the car and the bodies so it's hard to say where this took place
1: i have a question for you so in the movie there's kind of a through line where the Police relatively know that these killings are all connected at a certain point, but I couldn't quite tell if in the real case there was a a, like an automatic assumption that all these cases were connected. Because, of course, when you have victims dying, they can't report seeing the same figure, you know, with the hood and the whatnot.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: So they do assume this murder is connected to the previous murder. So Mm -hmm. they assume that but that first attack where they didn't die Mm -hmm. they weren't connecting that
3: Mm. so they think
0: at this point there's two double homicides committed by the same person so i guess the answer is yes and no yes the murders did they connect the attack not till later
2: got some of the stuff that he's doing for this one as well he being the killer is very similar to the previous ones Mm -hmm. so it's easy to connect those threads Versus the original one, which was... I don't want to say entirely different, but had enough differences that they couldn't really pin it.
0: Exactly. What... um, So, they, like I said, they had found the car um, at the park. And as they're looking through it, they find some caliber shell casings. And they're looking to see if there's anything else of note in this car. And they notice that... Betty Jo's saxophone is missing. So since it was apparently missing, investigators were hoping that they could use this and it would lead them to the suspect. So they distributed the model information and the serial number to music stores and pawnbrokers throughout the area. Two weeks later, on April 27th, a suspicious man was arrested in Corpus Christi, Texas, for trying to sell a saxophone to a music store. So he had asked about selling it, but the clerk said that she'd have to talk to her manager. So this guy kind of became a little bit weird, evasive, and then he fled. So the clerk recalled reading about the missing saxophone in the paper, and she contacted police about this like weird guy. So the police in Texarkano recalled they tracked down this guy. There was no saxophone in his possession, but while they were searching his hotel room, they found bloody clothes. So they were like, that's creepy. We're taking you in. They interrogated him for several days, but he was ultimately cleared because the blood um, he said was his own blood. And that was that.
2: This is one of the parts of the case that fascinates me most. They had what was technically a guy dead to rights on this. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't the guy. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it makes me wonder, like... Did he find a saxophone somewhere along the way and just like it was on the side of the road, I'm going to hawk it? Or was it complete coincidence mm-hmm. that he happened to have this thing going on?
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, is this an old saxophone he had in his possession? Did he steal one from somewhere? Did someone give it to him? Like,
2: Because, I mean, it- that would be my luck as I'm cleaning out the attic. <laughs> and I'm like, I can go fucking sell this thing and I'm not paying attention to the newspapers. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like trying to hawk something that's hot and I don't even know it.
0: <laughs> and then what if you're just a naturally like nervous or like weird person or something and you're not trying to seem evasive, but you're just like shy or something and the clerk is like, this guy's
2: a weirdo. Then, that's, that's a time era where people would take somebody with anxiety and put him in a lunatic asylum. So yeah. it's not unheard of.
1: Yeah, exactly. I- I am fascinated with this idea of like you having the saxophone and not knowing it. And it makes me think. It makes me think like how much shit do I have from Goodwill that is like associated with murders
2: that right? I have no idea about.
0: That is so true.
2: If we could get a proper like psychic reading on my sofa, so I could see what history it had, <laughs> that'd be amazing. Yeah, oh. I got
0: clairvoyant in here.
2: That's, that's a, j- right. Leo, that should
1: be like our side hustle is that we'll <laughs> be, is that will be clairvoyance for all the shit you get at Goodwill and Salvation Army.
2: <laughs> I honestly, I think that's exactly how we need to do it. Yes. Yeah.
1: But,
0: but be it'd be a total racket. fun.
2: Oh, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, it's snake oil. I mean, but people are going to buy it because they want to know. We can make up any shit we want, oh, and it'll be perfect.
1: This will be great. We can just put a lot of beads around our necks, and <laughs> so we can just wave our arms over furniture and be like, yeah, somebody was definitely <laughs> murdered here. A and you're for right in extra-
2: circles, you know how to do this. Oh, yeah.
1: And for an extra 50 bucks, we'll send you over to Dark Adaptation, and they will go and tell you the real story. Then you guys just make something up.
0: Oh, yeah. That's oh, absolutely. That's it. <laughs> this couch oh no oh. no
4: man someone oh god someone's haunting this bad you should do smudge sticks about it <laughs> they got smudge sticks
1: they got shot like 500 times here <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: I love the idea of building a reputation for this and getting well known like Ed Lorraine Warren and then going to somebody's house and being like, nah, this is just a couch. There's nothing.
1: Oh, my yep, God. That's, just, that's what we should do. All four of us. We should be like a team. We'll go to places and we'll just lie. Oh, it'd be great. Yeah, I'll be like, we'll the do, real crime we'll do the is whole...
0: how ugly this couch is. That's
1: right, that's right. Yeah, you guys can be, you two can be super sassy.
0: <laughs> that won't be hard. i didn't mean to say it It in such
1: a sing way (laughs) yeah we'll be like really gothy we'll be like that that douchey guy from that ghost show that zach guy oh my god Zach baggins
2: Baggins. we love to make
1: fun of him it's so fun
0: (laughs) we always are like that fucking guy
3: yeah,
1: so that's who we'll be. We'll be super serious. I fought demons when I was a teenager, and now, <laughs> and now we're letting you know whether this used car that you're about to buy is haunted.
0: I grew up poor, and people kept trying to blame me for stealing candy
2: bars. My life was it's hard. A, a
4: ghost made me <laughs> sneeze I know about and gave me a hard life. I know about the
2: spirit world. <laughs> I ate a bad Zagnut. nut. Now I have psychic
4: powers.
0: <laughs> this is gonna be great. <laughs> I can see it now. We'll have an HBO special before you know it.
4: I loved... There was a Netflix show. It was a Netflix series or something, and it just... I forget, it was following Ed and Lorraine Warren's like certain amount of days that you have to stay in a haunted place to actually get the full aspect of how haunted it is.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, and
4: it gets worse and worse, apparently, or something. So they just put a bunch of, like, couple... Like, couples, uh, Claire Voice together, or Ghost Hunters, and mm-hmm. were like... Okay, you're gonna definitely solve this, and it's like meanwhile they're like, this is the greatest reality TV show we've ever made. These oh, guys yeah. are just oh, making yeah. asses of themselves. I have opinions about Ed and Lorraine anyway,
2: and they're not popular, so mm. we'll get into that another time. He adores them. <laughs> no.
0: He's like, I love them. I call them mom and dad.
2: I'm sorry. <laughs> he has a painting of them at his house. I want yeah, to throw darts at.
0: <laughs> I I think that um. We're with you there, Leo. So um, how we uh, got onto this tangent was about what are the chances that some guy was in Corpus Christi trying to sell a saxophone and actually had nothing to do with it. And I mean, in this case, that is the case. It's a coincidence. This guy might have been weird, but it was a total coincidence because this whole angle that the investigators are taking to investigate this stolen, missing saxophone proved useless because Betty Joe's saxophone was finally located on October 24th, which is 6 months after she was murdered, and it was found mm-hmm. in some bushes near where her body was found.
2: Which so, means they didn't investigate that area properly, or the would have no. fucking found it 6 months earlier. Right. It's not
0: like it's a it's not like it's a her class ring or something, a locket. Like yeah. it's a saxophone. Right. It, yeah. It's big. How? What kind of jungle foliage is on the side it, of this road that you it didn't see? It literally
4: is an object that glints in the sunlight. Yeah, it's a fucking right. gold. It's a, it's a beacon. And you they would have seen if it wasn't raining so much, right? <laughs> right. right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Now, now, did like police officers find it, or did somebody find it with like their lawnmower? I think like, somebody <laughs> found it. Like.
0: Some guy found it, I'm pretty sure. And was I like just somebody like,
2: who's going around, like one of those old guys with a metal detector on the beach. I was just to say metal like,
3: detector.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I found the mother load.
0: <laughs> oh my God, imagine you though. fetch me a
2: coin or two.
0: I've tried to sell it. And then they're like, why do you have this saxophone? <laughs> he's like, I okay. swear to God, I found it. I swear to God, it was in the bushes.
2: Oh, sure. Found it. Wink wonk. Yeah. Yep. Yep.
3: Wink, wink wonk. <laughs>
0: so back to paul's car in spring lake park where they found really nothing and except that the saxophone was missing but lol jk it wasn't an interesting piece of evidence was recovered from the car and it was a black hat cord that didn't belong to the victim either victims or paul's dad who was the owner of the car and no one knew where this thing came from So investigators were hoping that it could have belonged to the killer. So they sent it off to the FBI to determine its manufacturer. But that turned up nothing. And all that was determined was, quote, officials are in agreement on the fact that the cord would be used only on a gray or black felt hat with a black hat band. (laughs) Thank you. Needed the FBI to say that. Excellent.
2: (laughs) that's, That's some real work right there. You know how so, long it took the FBI to get back to people back then too? That that was yeah, like this... a month later they finally got that useless information.
0: Mhm. And because it, it's all just letters, handwritten letters to each other, typewritten letters. And yeah, yeah it was like 8 weeks I think.
4: They couldn't so... get to get the message across so hot in Texas and those carrier pigeons didn't stand a fucking chance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
1: I like to think that they had one person on the force that was like a hat aficionado. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah they were like wait, just send him over with tommy two hats
0: <laughs> tommy two hats yeah
3: <laughs>
1: this
2: guy's a fucking expert in hat
0: bands
1: <laughs> he was so excited he was in like a like an office just sitting there like nobody ever needs him he's like wait i can solve the case
2: one of those horrible basement offices with all the steamy pipes and shit uh-huh <laughs> yeah absolutely
0: actually you know what I like to imagine that this guy does exist, but he's never been used and he was just forgotten about in like the basement office and they never consulted him. And That's meanwhile, it. he could have broke this whole case open if they remembered Tommy one, Two Hats over there.
1: They <laughs> ran down into the basement. They were like, this will be perfect for you. And they just opened the door to just his bones.
3: Cobblets yeah. <laughs> yeah. everywhere.
0: Dust pours out it when you open that door because it was sealed, oh. basically. It's like oh, a tomb. If we just
1: remember this guy, you could have solved the case.
0: Damn it, Tommy Two Hats, rest in
1: peace.
3: Tommy Two Hats. Tommy Tommy Two Hats (laughs) is my favorite.
0: (laughs) I like this character we've made up. He's great. (laughs) So as you can pick up on, the common theme in this case is uh, endless dead ends. Everything. Dead end, dead end, dead end. Paul and Betty Joe's murders were the second double homicide in three weeks, and officers were working in 24-hour relays trying to get them solved. They began interviewing friends, family, acquaintances, everybody, just to learn maybe if they had some sort of enemy, uh, Eminence? <laughs> emine- <An laughs> <enemies>? Jesus.
2: <laughs> Come on, Nemo. Don't hurt yourself.
0: <laughs> to learn if they had any enemies <laughs> and... They didn't. I mean, these kids are 15, 17 years old. They don't have any enemies that are going to do this to them. So, again, these are kids. They're high school students. People were devastated. Um, Both were churchgoers. Betty Jo was a popular sorority girl. She was in the high school band. She had one scholastic literary music prizes she was a former little miss Texarkana, and she wanted to enter the medical field so like this girl was going places she was just a baby and people were so saddened by her loss that the high school she attended ended classes early so that hundreds of people could attend the funerals and betty joe played in a band called the Rhythmers and they actually disbanded and never played again because they were so sad Lost Which is saps absolutely
2: saps. a great loss to the music scene, as you can tell by everyone recognizing that name instantly.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I love their death metal album. Death metal. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. When they when they went into dance folk, I was really riveted.
0: What would you do <laughs> if I joined on? The time in the on?
4: '60s wasn't that great. And I wasn't wearing else... a
0: Friday the Thirteenth shirt. I was wearing the Rhythmare's.
4: I <laughs> would ask you where you got that.
0: Etsy. First off, <laughs> handmade. So local newspapers were filled with articles about the murders and the unidentified killer. And it was actually at this point that he received the now famous nickname. Uh, when the Texarkana Daily News published an article titled "Phantom Killer Eludes Officers," and the Phantom Killer stuck. So it was wasn't until two um double homicides that phantom killer was given to him as the nickname
1: yeah i'm glad we've gotten away from this idea of like newspapers giving you know really cool killer names i know i'm really i'm I'm glad we've gotten away from this because i i do think it would like they can't just be like the dipshit killer which (laughs) i wish they would because it might like dissuade a little bit doug man like I think right.
0: some, there was like some serial predator and they just had like absolute shit breath. So they were like, <laughs> <laughs> sh- just sh- I, called him shit breath.
2: <laughs> yeah, I wish we wouldn't be so, um, I guess, puritanical in this country enough that we could just put it in the paper. Some fucking moron killed some people today. <laughs> right. That way he gets no recognition.
1: I think they should do names that are just, like, slightly insulting, but, like, still sound cool to, like, see if they can really get to the killer. Like, if what? they're, like, the nighttime prancer strikes again, he's like, <laughs> prancer?
3: <laughs> I didn't prance anywhere.
0: I love that idea.
3: <laughs>
2: he gets on the phone. T- he's like, I'm not a prancer. <laughs> we can tell by the way your shoe prints were in the mud, sir. You're prancing. We got it. That
1: looks like, I'm going to guess you have a, a dance background. Or they're very light
4: on your feet. We have forensic evidence showing that you were at the scene, <laughs> bouncing around all nimbly, pimbly
3: The fearless.
1: Look at those hammer
4: strikes again.
1: <laughs> right. right. The, the, the killer will get mad, then they'll start making calls, and then they'll eventually catch them.
0: I think this is a great idea, especially because if the killer is a typical, um, especially in this, these, this time where it's yep. like. Um, dudes who are obviously like sexually motivated crimes or whatever. Yeah. And have a problem with women or their masculinity or whatever. I think that's a great yeah. idea to call them oh, yeah. prancers and.
2: <laughs> yeah. As
1: oppressed as
2: everybody was back in this time era, it would work like a charm. Yeah. Yeah. You. You
1: call one person the shrimpy stalker and
2: then (laughs) (laughs) the five foot eleven killer. (laughs) I just love the idea. Shrimp dick kills 12. (laughs) Right. And then, yeah.
1: Yeah. He'll be like, uh uh, no, 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 no.
3: 5.25
1: Five point two five is is average.
3: <laughs> Some would even
1: say above average. <laughs> right. It really depends on how you measure it. Like, <laughs> where are you starting from? How? Right. Nope. Never mind. I was gonna keep going with that. I, I'm sorry. Your last to.
2: victim only gave you a two star review, so it's. Uh...
0: <laughs> I think this would be a great idea to start making really like. Subtly insulting nicknames, especially in this case where you can't really like pinpoint who the phantom killer is, it'd be a right, good way right. to draw them out of the woodworks. be <laughs> right. like, no, we'll lure them out by being s- vaguely insulting. Because right, even so if they
2: don't... just step up to the cops, then they can start walking down the street and you just look for the pissed off guy.
3: But <laughs> that's what I himself.
1: was thinking. The one person that opened up the, like the newspaper box, they put their quarter in, they opened up the box, and they're like,
3: what the fuck? <laughs> I, I
2: don't like- prance. <laughs> That's our you man. Sh-
0: you start paying attention to those around you and you notice like, damn, Jimmy's really trying to walk with swagger now. What do you think happened?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's really like stomping around.
3: <laughs> they said I
0: was prancing based on my foot impressions. Now I'm trying to really lead with my heel.
1: Yeah. My dick, His... not, my dick's not shrimpy either.
0: <laughs> no one asked Jimmy. Calm down.
2: Thick orthopedic shoes on just to make him clomp around more.
1: Yeah, he's just saying, like, really loud in the public square, like, I would have called him the Cobra.
2: I just think Stud is a better name for this killer, that's all. I heard he yeah,
1: I heard he was, he was tough on his feet.
0: Oh my god, this is a great idea. I guess I don't really need this idea, though, since we have moved farther away from it, but still Beautiful. Call so much sh- frolicker. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunately it's 1946 and you instead get cool names like the Phantom Killer. The public was fearful at this point. They had initially believed that the first murders of Richard and Polly were an isolated incident, but now we have the murders of Paul and Betty Joe, so it was starting to point towards a serial predator. And in an attempt to keep people off the streets, law enforcement set curfews for businesses. Previously, it had been normal for houses to be left unlocked, but now residents were taking serious precautions with security. They started arming themselves with guns. They locked their doors. Some people nailed sheets over their windows. Some people nailed windows shut. Stores sold out of locks, guns, ammunition, window shades, Venetian blinds, window sash locks, screen door hooks, night latches, and guard dogs were sought in local want ads. While the public panicked, investigators continued investigating these, and suspects were brought in from as far away as 100 miles away. But again, investigators came up with nothing. Officers kept asking the public to report anyone suspicious and the reward money had increased from $500 to $1,700. So it had gone up from like, yeah, it had gone up from nearly 8,000 to now um, almost 27,000. Wow. Mm -hmm. So some Texas Rangers were brought in to help with the investigation mainly tasked with patrolling the city at night to check on anything suspicious and make sure that people were abiding by the curfew, um, making sure people were keeping their property lights on, stuff like that. New investigative tactics were implemented, including recruiting armed teenagers to sit as decoys in parked cars at okay. lovers' lanes. So sure that worked. Right. And this was all in hopes of luring the phantom out of the shadows. Um, officers also would volunteer as decoys and they would have real life partners or mannequins or something sitting in the car with them and some officers were even hiding in trees at lovers lanes and parks hoping that they would see the phantom prowling around
2: this of course is before child labor laws and we could put 15 year olds to work for us like that
0: i know i'm like how like do you pick the teenagers to sit? Like, is it like you're the sheriff's daughter so they're like, come on, Susie. You have to help out.
1: Just bring Billy and go
0: and sit in the car. It's fine.
1: This will count towards your civics class. (laughs) That's right. That's right. These are your cooperative hours. (laughs) Well, and also, you know they gave the guns to the boys. And of course, you know the boys just shot each other in the ass. (laughs) That's it. So true.
0: Shooting at your feet to make you... To make you dance around. For sure.
1: (laughs) Well, we didn't catch the killer, but five (laughs) boys are in the hospital with bullet holes in their ass. An
0: epidemic of people missing
3: toes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So along with all of the false leads, dead dead ends, and their decoy plan absolutely failing, rumors were also spreading like crazy. So some of the rumors were that the phantom was caught other rumors put innocent people on blast and texas ranger captain manuel lone wolf gonzalez was constantly holding press conferences and speaking with the media to dispel the rumors
2: that guy is the biggest fucking moron of all of this
0: yes he is so i have that here like he would go to the press and be like, you know, your rumors are a huge hindrance to our investigation. Like, stop it. But if the rumors kept going and the investigation kept going, then this guy, Lone Wolf, would have way more time with the media. And he loved it. He soaked it up. He loved to talk to the reporters. He spent all to- all of his time hanging out at like the local um, hotel. Yeah. And he would flirt with anyone he was just like living the dream and
2: him being an attention whore at the time that they needed his skills most Mm -hmm. uh is half of why this guy has never been caught
0: exactly and investigators were like trying new tactics and stuff and they would always joke that lone wolf was at the center of the media circus and he never once spent a day looking for the phantom killer
1: it's awful
0: And so you have this guy just like playing into the media, really uh, getting attention from the newspapers and stuff when the Phantom Killer struck again. The evening of Friday, May 3rd, was a moonless one, and it was pitch black in the rural area Virgil and Katie Starks lived. 37-year-old Virgil and 36-year-old Katie lived on a 500-acre farm off of Highway 67 East, about 10 miles northeast of Texarkana in Miller County, Arkansas. So this was the first attack to take place on the Arkansas side. Virgil had a grueling day working at his welding shop and was relaxing in his living room armchair with a heating pad behind his back, reading the Texarkana Gazette and listening to music on the radio. Katie was in her nightgown, ready for bed, laying in an an adjacent bedroom when she heard a noise outside. So she asked Virgil to turn the radio down. But before he could, she heard the sound of breaking glass. So thinking that Virgil had dropped something... Katie went into the living room to check on him. Virgil was standing up, but before Katie could get to him, he slumped back down into his armchair and he is covered in blood. The sound of breaking glass was actually the window behind Virgil, shattering because a gunman shot him through the window from the front porch. Katie first ran to Virgil before quickly turning for the wall crank phone in the kitchen to call the sheriff's office. She lifted the receiver, she cranked the handle twice, and then she staggered as two bullets struck the left side of her face, shattering several teeth and scattering them across the kitchen floor. One bullet lodged beneath her tongue, and the other had pierced her cheek and exited behind her ear. She dropped on all fours and (laughs) managed to grab one tooth that had its gold filling intact. She's like, I'm not fucking leaving without my gold tooth. She's like Harry and Home Alone.
1: (laughs) I grew up poor. I get it.
0: (laughs) So amazingly, she not only grabs this gold tooth, but she gets up and she regains her footing and she tries to make a run for another room to retrieve a gun that she had. She was blinded by her own blood, though. Like she could not see shit, but she heard the shooter trying to break in through a kitchen window. So she fled out the front door. And she ran barefoot across Highway 67 to her sister and brother-in-law's house. She's like banging on the door, but no one's answering. um, Probably because everyone thinks if it's banging on the door in the middle of the night, that it's the phantom killer. Right. So she's trying to get their attention. They're not answering. So she runs 500 yards, sorry, 50 yards to a neighbor's house instead. A.V. Prater is the neighbor and he answers the door, rifle in hand. And Katie managed to gasp. Virgil's dead before collapsing. So Prater with his rifle in hand, he fires it into the air to summon another neighbor. So this guy named Elmer Taylor comes running. He's like, "You called?"
1: <laughs> That's amazing
2: I was Be like, very quiet, I'm hunting phantoms
0: <laughs> Like, is this You answer with your rifle and you fire it into the air And then Elmer Taylor just comes running Like,
1: it's too perfect He was born for this Yeah
3: <laughs> He's
0: like, oh my god This is what I've been waiting for They must have had planned this all out before Like, A.V. Prater was like, Elmer if in the middle of the night you hear that one shot come from my place, you come running because trouble's afoot. So Taylor he came running, and he and Prater drove Katie to the Michael Meager Memorial Hospital. Katie survived her gunshots, but unfortunately she hadn't seen the sh- seen the shooter, so she couldn't describe this person to the police. She just shot twice in the face, and she survived. Like, damn! It's incredible. incredible.
2: People talk a lot about survivors of things and they start praising them about how strong and brave and all they are. And I'm not saying they're not, but I think sometimes those expressions get overused Mm -hmm. in situations that don't necessarily warrant all that much attention. This woman is literally one of the strongest people I know. Mm -hmm. Like, not just because she survived this night, but everything that she did afterwards, which I'm sure you'll get to, she's just absolutely killing it.
0: Yeah, she is. Yeah, and and the fact that she just like, this is the scariest thing ever. You literally watched your husband die. You have an intruder trying to break into your house where you should feel safe. You've been shot twice in the face. You're the one person you would probably want to be with is your sister who lives near you, but isn't answering the door, and like you're just running for help. Like it would be horrifying.
1: Yeah, there's something it's pretty really typical, scary. Though. My
2: brother's pretty worthless too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> really there's something pretty scary also about being shot through a window. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, I've got a window, you know, right behind me right now. And as we're talking about
2: this, like, that thought
1: comes through my mind that it's something that could randomly
3: happen.
0: It is scary, well, the, yeah. The
2: terror of just, you're in the safety of your home, relaxing mm-hmm. every day. Like, any other night, you've had a year and a half of nights like this, no big deal, and then suddenly somebody's just out there.
0: Especially if it's through a window, too, because that just adds that feeling of, like the voyeurism to it. Like someone's watching you through the window in your own house. And it just adds to how creepy it is. Yeah. So the FBI was called in to collect evidence from the Stark's home. And uh, this guy's name, the FBI agent Hallett, he came. He also came with some Texas Rangers. He had the Miller County sheriff with them. So they took photos of the 22 caliber slugs that were collected, which is interesting because these are different than the first two double murders. Those were 32 caliber, and these are 22s. So at the Stark's home, they collected a bunch of stuff. They were collecting linoleum tiles that had shoe impressions. They were taking vials of blood, um, a supposed hair from the kitchen table, what was collected. And they found out later that ooh, the FBI sent it back. They were just like, this is like a piece of thread. Like, it's like a piece of clothing or something. Like, how did you think this was hair? So they collected a bunch of forensic stuff. Even the kitchen curtains from the window. Because they, when they got to the scene, they saw that the Phantom had managed to break in through the window. And was like walking around the house. Which is so Creepy. and apparently had like rubbed his blood um virgil's blood like all over the walls and stuff just was being an absolute freak about it
2: what's your opinion on this being a copycat
0: oh it was absolutely a copycat or someone mm-hmm. doing a just the opportunity mm-hmm. of a crime because it's too different it's too different um, right down to like the gun used, they believe a 22 likely came from a rifle instead of a handgun. Um, it was inside someone's house. It's... It wasn't that like a lover's lane?
2: Yeah. I think what sells it for me is him smearing the blood on the walls the way he did. Yeah, because even as a killer escalates in what they do, they don't usually go that far to the left of their pattern. And for him to get in there and just start making it so grotesque Mm -hmm. is completely different from what the other killer was doing.
0: Yeah, at that point, it's more of like the shock factor or to like make it even Mm -hmm. more sensational, something more for the papers to write about. Mm -hmm. But
2: unless that was his swan song and he's like, this is my last one. I'm out. And he wanted to do a big deal. But Mm -hmm. I don't think that's true. I think this is just another guy who took advantage of the situation.
0: For sure. And yeah, you can look at it from either side. You can be like, well, I mean, pe- maybe the cops are on his trail. He couldn't keep sticking with the lover's lane sort of aspect. Maybe he totally switched it up, went to the other Texarkana instead. But right. um I don't remember where I put it in my notes, but I do have it in here that by 1948, so two years after, the investigators ruled that this murder isn't connected they were like it doesn't really fit they i mean the investigators aren't like stellar but i do agree with that i'm like i don't really think this was the phantom um uh, what else here okay so on top of collecting all this evidence from the stark's home they um found a flashlight They put this flashlight in the newspaper, hoping someone would identify it. No one did. They had bloodhounds come in and the bloodhounds followed the killer's scent for 200 yards from the Starks home to Highway 67, went across the street, went up a bit. And then uh, the trail ended abruptly and they found tire impressions in the mud. So they think that this is where the killer had parked their car and ran after the attack. The constant media coverage added to the hysteria in Texarkana. The Texarkana Gazette wrote in an article on May 5th that the killer could strike again at any moment, at any place and anyone could be the victim. And an article was even published that said Virgil Starks had been living in fear of being killed in the days leading up to his murder because a car was repeatedly driving by their isolated home. And There was other rumors about like a love triangle and all kinds of uh, just like shitting on their marriage and stuff. And Katie, who's recovering from being shot in the face, has to keep Mm -hmm. dispelling rumors and keep fighting basically to not have her dead husband's name tarnished. Like
2: one of the reasons why I cite her as a very strong person. Mm
0: -hmm. So exactly like she's lost her husband. She's recovering from a horrible injury And then she just has to keep fighting these rumors. And the rumors were such a huge problem, like not even just for Katie and her situation, but then the same rumors that have been happening this whole time about the Phantom being caught. Uh, The Phantom is actually like my neighbor. And then like Joe Blow is put on blast and (laughs) just endless. Because of false reporting, police were inundated with questions by scared residents and reports of prowlers skyrocketed. Uh, one officer stated that nearly all of the alarm was the result of, quote, excitement, wild imagination and near hysteria. Meanwhile, the officers were like wild with themselves, having all kinds of crazy theories as to what was going on. And their main unofficial theory was that the Phantom was a, quote, sex maniac um, since uh-uh. he didn't rob anyone apparently he didn't rob the starks home which was known to have large amounts of money in it uh because a virgil um has like a welding business on site and stuff so there was a lot of valuables and money and they're like well no one stole the money so it's obviously just a sex maniac right
2: i at this point i want to say and obviously i can't prove it's true or not but i don't think the sexual portions of these crimes were for the sex i think it was for the power or mm-hmm. the control or what have you it had nothing to do with the gratification of it which doesn't make him a sex criminal
0: I absolutely agree especially because um at least in the first attack he assaulted her with his gun right like that is like the ultimate power move right mm-hmm. and then like we've been saying like definitely just for the for the fear and the control Because the citizens in Texarkana were very, you know, hysterical, they were very nervous, they are armed with guns, Texarkana became a dangerous place. When calling on an, uh, an address, law enforcement would turn on their sirens, they would stand in their headlights, they would be like yelling and announcing themselves. They were so afraid that they would be shot by like a homeowner that thought they were the phantom. Everyone had guns, even teenagers who were attempting to enact forms of vigilante justice. There was lots of different cases of that. Um, Even cops. None of them
2: ended well. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Even cops were scared. Like if they saw kids sitting in a lover's lane, they were like, I have to go about this, right? Because if I just go to approach these kids to tell them to go home, I could just be shot. Right. So it was just the Wild West out here.
2: I like that. There's a time era when people are like, hey, let's go to a lover's lane and bring protection. And it meant condoms, <laughs> but now it meant weapons.
0: Yeah, at this point, they're like, sick, what you got? I'm packing a revolver. I'm also packing
2: <laughs> <bringing> a <magnum. laughs> Yeah, I got a shotgun.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh!
2: He dyson got the joke before for the, i did good for one. the
4: win dyson thank you thank, i know that i was only just quicker to the draw i didn't oh. actually i wasn't the only one that nope. thought that one oh respect you,
2: you earned it
1: you were like a ninja you were just you're just waiting for those good jokes yeah i brought a derringer
2: Oh my God! Yes,
0: the Domino's Pizza guy—he's shown
1: up.
2: Pee-wee—that's
1: <laughs> a—that's a regular character on our show. I love it. It's my
0: favorite character.
1: <laughs> yeah, he—he he wasn't out there. He wasn't out there parking no. on any of those. <laughs>
0: no, he wasn't.
1: He, he, he had a he, job. Yeah, he was out there in the pizza car, but he had one of the mannequins next to him. That's <laughs> right. I was
0: gonna say he was actually Tommy Two Hats. <laughs>
1: Ah, there we go! It all comes full circle. <laughs> oh, I've been waiting.
3: How was that? That was pretty oh, good, right? Finally, I get my second hat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god! Oh, now, now I can go up in the ranks and get
2: a new job. Oh
3: my god! I'm so happy now that girls that character is really want me? <laughs>
2: Oh, boy, I get to park on
1: Lover's Lane. <laughs> my mom will be so proud. I am so sorry to your audience. These are, all These are all in jokes from our show.
0: It's my favorite. I love the pizza guy, the nerdy dude that shows up every once in a while. Or sometimes when you're being Michael from Burial Grounds, he kind of sounds a little bit like that. <laughs>
1: This rag smells of (laughs) death
0: (laughs) I love it Burial Ground is like my favorite episode
1: It's a good (laughs) one Episode number 35 everybody Yeah
0: listen Listen to our friends at Spoils of Horror They're great (laughs) So uh, this town It's Wilden. Everyone's got guns Um, I'm trying to think of another protection joke But we don't need to do that (laughs) Officers and investigators were getting down to business. They're trying to figure out who the fuck is this phantom. They put blockades on Highway 67 East. They were looking for anyone that was in the area near Virgil's home uh, when he was murdered. They were detaining anyone that was around, questioning them. The reward fund had grew to $7,025. So it was now... Almost $110,000. Crazy. And, I mean, it had started at, in, like, today's money, um, like 1700 or whatever. Like, it was nothing. Yeah. And now it's at 110000 By May 5th, two days since the murder, 47 officers were working on the case, which is just far too many. You're, that's why we have so many discrepancies.
2: Especially for that small town. Yes. Yeah. Right.
0: Too many people. This is how things go wrong. It was also around this time when officers publicly connected the attack on Jimmy Hollis and Mary Larry to the subsequent murders. But like I had said, this is mainly because the Texarkana Gazette published an interview with Mary where she was saying, like, we were attacked. It's like has all the hallmarks of a phantom killer attack. So then the police kind of were forced to address it. I don't think that they really had put it together until the newspaper did for them. The reward fund was now $10,000. So $156,000. And again, this is just like this cycle. So now you're feeding into more people calling in with false tips because they're like, I fucking want $156,000. I think I know a guy that fits the bill. There's a lot of people out there
2: who would turn in their brother for that shit just because they want the money. Mm -hmm.
0: Exactly. Bowie and Miller County sheriffs, mainly Sheriff Presley, who was on the Texas side, were beyond frustrated by the lack of valuable leads and suspects. As part of the investigation, they had developed a profile of the Phantom. So uh, the profile mainly was just based on his M.O. because they didn't really have a description of him. They couldn't rely on Jimmy and Mary's description. They were too different. And also just given like the tragedy that had happened to them and the flashlight in their face and all of that what this guy supposedly looked like was useless but they did know that the crime was likely the work of a single individual because of their ability to avoid apprehension and the attacks show evidence of meticulous planning and that the phantom tells no one of their crimes or their plans because no one is like spilling the tea on who this guy could be right they knew that his MO was that he attacked couples in empty or private areas just outside city limits, and they were always late on weekends, so Friday, Saturday nights. No, Friday and Sunday nights, and he used a thirty-two caliber gun. And this is where it is in my notes, where I say that the caliber used to murder Virgil Starks was a twenty-two, and it was in November nineteen forty-eight that authorities no longer considered that murder to be connected to the other double murders and that it likely was not the Phantom. It was either a copycat or somebody um, using an opportunity to blame the Phantom to enact their revenge and whatever. Investigators also had their fair share of suspects. And this could be like an hour of just talking about suspects because there was nearly 400 people that were suspected at one point or another and arrested and all of that. There was numerous false confessions There was tons of theories about who the killer was. There was um, theories about this crazed hitchhiker. There's a local taxi driver. There's a local criminal, a notorious car thief. There was tons of people that they were trying to um, say was the killer. And these all turned up as dead ends or as they were investigated further. It just showed it didn't work. There was either... Um, contradicting accounts there was proven alibis false information Um, so none of these like suspects could really stick there was even speculation that the zodiac killer was the (laughs) phantom which is crazy
1: that's the silliest thing
2: i was actually going to mention that as well
1: yeah Mm -hmm. but listen when people are scared when people are scared Mm -hmm. they'll say crazy stuff
0: Exactly, especially if you look at like these the attacks and the murders of the phantom killer, it is really scary and I think it is hard for people to rationalize that there's actually two monsters out there right there's a there's a phantom killer and a zodiac like no way it has to be the same person there's no way there's that meant there's
1: multiple people who are demented well, and even though the police eventually rule out that farm killing mm-hmm. In the mind of the people, like, even if they know that, in the mind of the people, they're going to make their own decision and they're going to connect all those things together.
0: Yeah, I it's think. still in the area. Yeah. It's still scary. There's still someone dead. Right. So even if it isn't the work of this one killer, there's still another two. psycho out there. Right. With that, Yeah, exactly. That's maybe even worse. That's horrifying. So Sheriff Presley repeatedly asked the public to recall the dates of the attacks and think about people in their life and if they were accounted for or not. And if they were suspicious, evasive, if their behavior or demeanor would change anything. But no one came forward with any information that brought them closer to the phantom. The fear was significant enough to spread to other cities. (laughs) Cities. I don't know why I said it like that. (laughs) spread to other cities and sales for guns and axes skyrocketed newspapers like the arkansas gazette published articles predicting the dates the phantom would strike again so there was this rumor perpetuated through the media that the killer strikes every three weeks and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that is like there was one murder that happened to fall three weeks later but there's It did not happen every three weeks for all of them. That was just something the media was using and running with. So they were publishing articles saying, be careful because on the weekend of May 23rd and 24th, the killer is striking again. So the public waited in terror for this next predicted attack. They were horrified. These three weeks were hell for people. But after the three weeks, Texarkana's fear dwindled. The phantom stayed in the forefront of everyone's mind for the summer. But once September came, their concerns mostly passed because the phantom never struck again. And to loosely quote the absolute chef's kiss of a movie, The Town That Drives Sundown, (laughs) quote, What happened to the phantom killer? No one really knows. Some believe he was convicted of another crime and is serving his time in prison. And if you should ask people on the streets of Texarkana what they believe happened to the phantom killer... Most would say that he is still living here and is walking free.
4: Who am I, you may ask? <laughs> I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> well, I'm Don't prance. I don't
3: prance
1: don't that? I don't <laughs> anywhere.
0: That is the true crime tale of the notorious Texarkana Moonlight Murders, which to this day is still unsolved.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty wild story. I have to admit, I did know that the town that dreaded Sundown was based on a real movie, but I didn't know much about the case until we decided to put this whole thing together. And you Leo, you movie. were pretty familiar with it.
2: <laughs> I, as Steven well knows, I was one of those kids in school that true crime stuff was my passion. I, I still love it now, but back then I, I was devouring it. Mm-hmm. I was getting all I could, you know, learning everything I could about different killers and why i'm fascinated by the human mind and why they think what they do and how they do what they do so i was familiar with this i remember seeing the movie a long time ago and i I didn't i didn't since then until we had to cover it now which i'm glad that'll be the only other time i ever have to watch it but um uh, the case is fascinating it is you know there's there's so much misstep and there's so much history here in a weird way about how police work has evolved over time. And I am equally fascinated in the fact that now with all of our technology and our advancements in forensics and everything else, we still haven't been able to solve this one, which is either due to they're just not diving back into it to figure it out, or the evidence was so mishandled and, and what little they have to hold on to was so, uh, uh, unarranged mm-hmm. it's not the right word but you know just not available to them in the right way that we can't even if we wanted to figure out who the fuck it was
0: yeah like even if those vials of blood were still around like were they actually um maintained in a well enough way or is that in, like
2: exactly can you use it what, what paperwork has been lost to a flood or a fire what evidence has just gone to the wind after all this time mm-hmm. you know what i mean and it's something that we should be able to get hold of and figure out but we probably never will
3: it's
0: i was gonna say it's a little bit frustrating too because in the book that i had read um the author mentions how i mean this is from the 40s right it's so old so you have a mm-hmm. uh, revolving door at this point of staff and new sheriffs and whatever yeah. and apparently they have this like bundle of the original investigation with evidence and everything oh, wow. but it is apparently this like sealed uh package essentially that for whatever reason they won't open so it's just sitting in the sheriff's office
2: that's interesting i didn't know that yeah
0: and wow. so this book is um it's not that old it's only a couple of years old and it's it's amazing it's an amazing book it's called
2: is it like i i don't know if the book mentioned it at all is it a, a government seal like they do with like presidential documents and stuff or no. is it just they're deciding, they're fuck deciding you,
0: you're not, it. not to open it.
1: It's wow. It's got a little ribbon tied around it. Says so do not open.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: do not open before 2050. It's a time capsule. <laughs>
2: That's fascinating.
0: Yeah. So, I w- so
2: theoretically, somebody could go grab that bundle and try to figure this out.
0: Yeah. Like maybe there is like a fingerprint in there, some sort of touch DNA or whatever that they could look into, especially now with how uh, genealogy works. Like maybe... You could break it down.
4: One one scrap of of DNA at this point could figure this whole shit. Mm -hmm. That would be one of the more interesting time capsules to open. You'd be like, one forensic evidence, one Tamagotchi. One one love
2: letter from Jane Doe. It'd be great. One sports authority bobblehead. Um,
0: A hat cord? What the fuck? (laughs)
2: <laughs> Somebody safari. call Tommy Two Hats.
4: <laughs> Tommy Two Hats. Safari
3: hats. <laughs> Get hat him on the
4: horn. That's on the side. What?
2: <laughs> That's really cool, though. Like in a in a weird way, cool. I I've followed this case enough when I was younger. I knew it enough. I I this is like something new for me now that the yeah, possibility exists that they could research it and figure it out. It's almost mm-hmm. thrilling to me
0: i want to uh, look into it more to see if there's any sort of development on that but uh yeah, yeah. definitely in the book the author said um there is this og caseload that's just sitting in the sheriff's office just
1: collecting dust wow yeah, and you gotta wonder like hey maybe it's just there and maybe it's meaningless maybe it implicates somebody's kid or maybe it just yeah. shows how incompetent everything was handled
0: i like idea though that it could implicate someone's kid because that is the theory that i most lean towards is that it was somebody a little bit more prestigious in um texarkana that had an yeah. affiliation with law enforcement or whatever and uh
2: I'm, i i'd be more they that keeping it sealed as well as why a lot of the steps along the way were so mishandled
3: mm-hmm, right exactly if
2: somebody forgot wink 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 <laughs> you know, to to search a thing or to file an evidence or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was the head of the Texarkana Ballet School. That's why it was the... That was the Night Prancer.
3: <laughs>
1: you
0: know that the newspaper had written Night Prancer and the guy that like knew who the killer really was came in and was like, no, you have to give him something cooler than that.
2: Phantom killer. <laughs> yeah. You can't do yeah, him dirty. because the guy publishing the paper was the one doing it. So he's like, no. Always... <laughs> The um. editor, he's like Jonah Jameson. He's like, nah, we're giving him a cool name. He deserves a cool name. That's yes, another <laughs>
0: Spider-Man reference. Right, I love to
3: make Spider-Man <laughs> references. And next week.
1: That Spider-Man's a menace.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that's not the Texarkana moonlight murders. It's the Texarkana menace. Menace murders. Bring me
2: the head of this phantom menace. Right.
0: In his hood. And give me some
2: pictures, Peter Parker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tommy Two Hats, get out there. Also, I couldn't help but think about um, Django Unchained when they're talking about the hood and how it just has like these shitty eye holes cut out of it. I yeah. was thinking about that, that scene, that
1: wonderful scene. Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> it's fitting for the '40s. It's the South? Yeah. Oh, we we that. made
1: some jokes about that in our episode as well, because oh, there's yeah? a, there's a, well there's a shot that is a little odd in the movie where the woman who is um who's the who, you know who's. Who's uh gets shot at the farmhouse. It shows oh, yeah. her like grocery shopping mm-hmm. or something. And she looks over uh, at yeah. another car and she kind of like gives the car a strange look like there's somebody in there that she knows or something. Now, again, this is all stuff the movie added. We don't know yeah. any of this really happened. But mm-hmm. when you look at through the camera, you know, like at the car, clearly the guy is wearing the bag on his head. You know, like he's oh clearly God, wearing the bag.
0: To, I have to watch that again.
2: And she she looked at him and just kinda like nodded at him and then got in her car and drove off. And he meanwhile he was about to step out of the car, like he was gonna go get some groceries.
3: Oh wow So it was a whole God. fucked up moment.
2: Yeah. And <laughs> and the the joke that was spoiler for the joke that we made, spoils horror, so
1: but yeah. uh spoiler for the joke that we made, we made we we joked that he was like, No, 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 I'm not the phantom killer, I'm just a racist <laughs> <laughs>
3: Which is like, equally oh, valid back then. Why didn't I'm, you say yeah.
0: so? I could have brought so mine sorry.
3: too. I'm sorry. Right.
4: <laughs> no, I didn't mean to scare you like that. <laughs> <laughs> Here, let me take my hood off. Right. <laughs> She's like, phew.
2: <laughs> Close call. Given the two options, I feel so much better now. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's what I got for you. Um,
2: that was I... fascinating. That was awesome.
0: Thank you. It was a lot Can of fun. Can I bring up
2: my most egregious moment in the movie that, for yes. some reason, I completely forgot to say on our shows, so now it's a reward for you guys. Yeah, exactly. Um, they do this whole thing at the end of the film where they're chasing down the killer and there's this whole shootout at a train. And they're, they're, trying to, they're trying to get to him. And there's a moment... Where the train is rolling by Mm -hmm. and you can see the cameraman on the train car (gasps) as he's filming the scene. Oh my god, I missed that They do almost nothing to cover him up. He's very blatantly right there. And it's just the sign of a shitty movie.
0: I was going to say, you know, (laughs) both of these things that you're talking about that I totally missed are towards the end of the movie where I think I had checked out. (laughs)
2: He probably fell asleep because that's the right thing to do. And listen, (laughs) Leo and I are very
1: charmed by bad movies. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, we are very charmed by them. So are we. Yeah. Not this one. Not this one at all. This
2: this is a different category of bad. This is like, if you want to watch it because you're listening to the show, go ahead, but then never again. Yeah. Never, ever again. It's
1: the cardinal sin of a movie,
4: it's boring.
0: It is boring. Yeah. That's what I was saying. It's like a total fart. It's just yeah. like, uh-huh. it doesn't go anywhere. It's just Not like, it starts like fun, here and stays wet here. One.
4: It's a dry, dusty one.
0: I just punched my microphone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a dry, a, dry it's dusty a, one?
1: Boy, that's going to get it's people to listen fart. to our episode. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but they talk about a movie
1: that's a dry, dusty <laughs> fart. You know? But
0: the, if you tune in on Wednesday, on Wednesday, um, August 23rd, I think. Um, we'll,
2: we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah.
0: When you tune in, which you will. Tune in every Wednesday. Every oh. single Wednesday for a new episode of Spoils of Horror. It's so fun because you get cool characters like Tommy Two Hats, the Domino's <laughs> Pizza Guy, Michael from wow. Burial Ground. You get tons <laughs> of fun characters and you could be a part of the fun. And every
2: once in a while, a dusty fart of a movie. You're
3: welcome.
0: <laughs> That's just... Even better to talk about though, because then you're like, listen, we're both on the same page about how much of a fart this is. Cool, let's go.
2: I, I guess you could say, we watch these shitty movies so you don't have to. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I got to
1: give you guys credit. <laughs> Brianna, that was probably the best plug Spoils of Horror has
2: ever gotten. <laughs> well, I'll
0: clip it, send it to you as a little sound bite.
1: Can Yay. Pin that. Right. We, right.
2: <laughs> we have a new trailer now go. It's
1: like a dusty fart <laughs> Excellent
2: <laughs>
1: And you might get to hear a bunch of nonsensical characters
3: <laughs> From
1: obscure movies that don't matter <laughs>
0: It's like hanging out with your friends Like you said, it's, it's like, just fun uh,
2: There you go That's the, the vibe. fun.
0: And this, the <laughs> Town That Dreaded Sundown that you're covering is like the OG one. It's from what? 76? Correct.
2: 76, yeah. yeah.
0: So, uh, I mean, people so they are... did
2: another one in the 20... 90s, 2000s? I think it's a 2014.
0: Era, 2014.
2: Was it there? Yeah.
4: 2014,
2: yeah. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, so that one, as I understand it, is kind of a, like a meta sequel. Like
0: yeah, the, I was the reading- The movie we're
2: covering is in that movie, and they're kind of referencing it. So I- I haven't seen it, so I don't know. No, I didn't want to watch it
0: because I didn't want to get confused about like the first one. And I read the synopsis for the one from 2014, and it said like the killer hasn't like struck since, and they're trying to like you said be meta about it.
1: My
2: understanding is trying to make him the next Michael Myers or something. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, is that it's actually a legacy sequel, and Um... from what I heard, it's actually pretty good. I might watch it
2: just because. Yeah
0: yeah maybe i will maybe we'll watch it after this because i'll be like i don't gotta get i don't gotta get confused about it anymore watch there you go the, the more recent one movie night um uh, let me see here uh where can people listen to you guys i believe <laughs> i believe you're <laughs> available on all major listening platforms right
2: yes you so th- can search for <laughs> spoils of horror on just about any place you want and we'll be the only ones that pop up so the
1: reason that Leo and I started laughing is because I am notorious for going on other people's shows and then not being able to remember a single place where they can <laughs> listen to us and I will always, I was always bring up the most obscure ones like I'm like you can listen to us on Stitcher and <laughs> but like Stitcher doesn't exist anymore Stephen. God yeah and don't forget Pandora music (laughs) That's
2: right (laughs) Jesus Christ We also have A MySpace page (laughs) Oh my god And he wonders Why nobody listens to us I was gonna say
0: You're checking your data Like Why do we only have Four downloads It's like Because people are only Listening on (laughs) iHeartRadio
2: They're still looking For fucking MySpace Like where is it I gotta find
0: it
1: Yeah we're on Apple Spotify We're on all those ones so basically, Podcast.
0: anywhere that you're listening to Dark Adaptation, you can listen to Spoils of Horror.
1: Absolutely. So, Thank you so much for having us. This has been a blast. If, Hell yeah.
0: Yeah, it has been so fun. Um, I think that we'll have to do this again. Maybe we won't pick such a bad movie. Maybe we'll um
2: Or, or just a thought, Hollywood. If you're going to make a movie based on a real crime, make it a good one.
0: How about that? Oh, my God. Whoa. You,
1: you know what we should also do? We could do like a like a cryptid or like one that's about like a creature yeah. and we could pair it with a movie that is about the same creature. Did... like
2: Buffman.
0: Oh that would be so fun. Didn't this guy that did yeah. this movie do like a Sasquatch movie or something? A Bigfoot movie?
2: Oh, he did uh Legend of Boggy Creek, which is not exactly a Sasquatch oh, yeah. movie, but it's close. Yeah.
0: Well, let's not do that then. Let's stay away from... What's his name? Charles <laughs> Pierce or some shit? Let's stay yeah. away from By him. the way,
2: Legend of Boggy Creek is just as boring. Oh, so, no. no.
0: <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Totally. We'll figure this out. We'll shop it. So, yes!
3: <laughs>
0: thank you, Leo and Steven, for joining us. Thank you, listeners, Yay. for tuning in. And make sure you listen to Spoils of Horror on Wednesday to hear them cover the movie based on the texter can yeah. moonlight martyrs and
2: join us meatbags
0: we'll catch you on the dark side
4: bye